Our scripture passage for today comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. Before we get to this moment, it's often referred to as the ascension of Jesus, when Jesus goes up into the sky. Uh, Before this happens, Jesus has been resurrected, and it's been about six weeks. He's been walking around for 40 days, showing himself to people, eating with people, spending time with people, people he knew, knew people. And he's given this instruction to his friends, to the disciples, to stay in Jerusalem. So they keep on asking him these questions, and he comes back to the same thing. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes, until the Holy Spirit falls on you, and you have access to that power. So that's what's happened right before we get to this moment today. Jesus has been around for 40 days. They've had a whole bunch of these conversations, and then we get to this. Verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Friends, if you will, let's bow our hearts to pray. God, we ask that your voice will pour through these words into our hearts, into our spirits, And that we might know your truth as you intend us to know it and as you intend for your truth to change us. We pray that you will set aside any distractions. That you will allow us to set this time apart as a gift where our attention is wholly turned to you. If we are in your truth, Lord, then keep us there. And if we are not in your truth, Lord, then put us there. So we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the risen one. Amen. Lord, is this the time you will restore Israel? It sounds like an innocent enough question. After all, the restoration of Israel is what had motivated all of the disciples to drop their nets and to follow Jesus in the first place. For three years, this ragtag group of fishermen, tax collectors, and women of questionable repute had been traveling with Jesus under the impression that Jesus was going to be their Messiah, meaning that Jesus was going to be the one who would free them from the oppression and injustice of the Roman government, the one who would take down the statues of Caesar, 
the one who would admonish the greedy temple leaders, the one who would return to them their experience of dignity and respect. And it had been quite the journey. I mean, it didn't really go quite like the rebellion that they had initially signed up for, but they had seen some things, some really big things had happened. For instance, they had gained quite a following and a crowd over those three years. And then Jesus died, which was unexpected and really disappointing, to put it lightly. And then even more unexpectedly, Jesus was resurrected and was showing up in places like nothing had ever happened, making new friends on the road to Emmaus, calling Thomas on his bluff, cooking them breakfast al fresco on the beach. Still though, even after all of these incredible events, nothing had changed. The Messiah hadn't done what they had expected the Messiah to do. Everything was as it had always been. Caesar was still in power. Temple leaders were still gloating. Jesus' friends and the people of Israel still felt powerless and inconsequential. Even after they experienced all of this fame, even after they had experienced death, even after they had experienced the resurrection, nothing had changed their situation. Lord, they ask, is this the time you will restore Israel? It sounds like a reasonable question, but it's not the first time that they've asked it. This question is a follow-on question to a conversation that they had been pressuring Jesus to have for years. Like when in Matthew 18, when they wanted him to choose a favorite disciple and asked him, who is the greatest in your kingdom? Or in Mark 10, when James and John bickered and insisted that he let one of us sit at your right and the other on your left when we enter your glory. Or in Matthew 19, when Peter exclaimed to Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What will there be for us? When they ask Jesus this question in our passage for today, they aren't just asking when Jesus will sweep the Romans out of power. They aren't just asking when he is going to cleanse the temple, when he's going to make it good for them as a nation. They're also asking something else. Is it time for us to be great yet? Is it time for us to be the ones whom everybody listens to, the ones who decide what is right and what is wrong, the ones who have the power. On the surface, they're asking Jesus this reasonable enough question, but what they are really, really wanting to know is, is this the time that you will make us great? Great. 
Lord, is this the time that you will restore Israel? Usually when they ask this question, Jesus redirects them, tells them to stop being so self-absorbed. But this time, he answers them pretty directly. I mean, he doesn't answer the question about Israel being restored, but he tells them directly about what they really wanted to know. Is this the time that you will make us great? To which Jesus responds, absolutely. Absolutely, it is time for you to be great. Jesus words it this way. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Friends, absolutely. This time that you have been waiting for where you can be great, it has come now. I love how scripture paints this scene for us. How just as Jesus is saying this, he's being lifted up to the clouds. It appears as though the disciples finally get this answer that they have always been looking for from Jesus. But then not really. Something about it sounds different. And in that moment, Jesus isn't sticking around for any follow-up questions. So they just stand there and look up at the sky, probably with their mouths hanging open, not paying attention to anything or anyone else except that disappearing outline of Jesus' resurrected body. Jesus has left them with the answer that they had wanted to hear, but we get the impression that it's still not the answer that they had wanted to hear. They wanted someone to put them in a position of indisputable authority. Jesus says that that indisputable authority now resides inside of them. The two sound almost the same, but they're different. Lord, is now the time you will restore Israel? They had asked. To which Jesus has essentially responded, nope, because it's time for you to do it. Friends, this is how the church started in the first century. With a group of men staring up at the sky, unclear on what to do next. The way that they had thought this whole thing was going to go wasn't actually the way it was all going to go. They suddenly find that the way that they had learned to do things wasn't going to work anymore. Most notably, their leader, Jesus, who they used to walk with, eat with, pray with, dream with, and most importantly, who they used to learn from, Jesus has just gone virtual. He would still speak to their hearts. He would still nudge them in spirit. But Jesus was never going to be with them physically again. 
it was finally time for them to be great. The question was, how? And were they as up for the task as they had always believed that they would be? Several weeks ago, I had stopped by Jeff and Lynn O'Grady's house to record them leading off our Palm Sunday parade. And we chit-chatted for a bit from a very safe distance. And we were marveling at how different our work life had become in such a short period of time. And Jeff said to me, this has really been about the two R's for me. He said, resourceful and revealing. And I said, okay. I said, I get resourceful. We've had to be really resourceful to get through this. But I don't know what you mean by revealing. And he sort of smirked at me and then he said, well, it's been pretty revealing about who's being resourceful. And we laughed at that a little bit, but there really is a point here that in the unique moment where we have all realized that things aren't going the way that we thought they were going to go, in this moment, are we going to sit back and wait for someone to put us in the place where we should be? Or are we going to step into the gifts that Jesus has given us? Are we going to step into the calling to be great? For so many in people in the church universal today around the globe, developing and forming our faith has been a really passive exercise. We go to church because we've always gone to church. We pray because we're told to bow our heads. We read the Bible when we're given the chapter and the verse. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But if that is all that we are, is that really a church? If that is all that we are, then are we really acting like the living body of Jesus Christ in the world today? I had a chance to catch up with Lori and Greg Forgatch the other night over Zoom, and we were talking about how this time that comes with staying safer at home has offered us this chance to sort of reassess, to take stock of our lives, in particular to reassess our habits, to break the habits that we don't like, or to try starting new habits that are going to set us into healthier patterns. And it really struck me that that is true for the church as well. We are in a unique moment to reassess and to reconsider. What has this time revealed about us as believers and as a church? What habits has the church, has our church gotten into that would be good for us to break? And what new habits could we stand to form in order to be more responsive to God's call in our lives? This time really is revealing. How many of us are content to stand and stare at the empty sky? And how many of us are looking to respond 
to Jesus' assurance to the apostles as he ascends, when he says, absolutely, my friends, your time to be great is now. It's funny because we do call those men apostles now, those disciples, those fishermen and tax collectors. We call them apostles now, but they were once just cowards who abandoned their best friend in his moment of great need. They were the apostles who traveled to India and to Africa, sharing the good news to the far ends of the earth, who eventually became martyrs for the message. But they were once just a group of guys who used to bicker about who was greater and who was Jesus' favorite and what was going to be in it for them. As the church universal has faced decade after decade of steep decline, Many in the church have lamented in that same spirit as the disciples once did. Many in the church today still long for the days when we will have our turn to be great once again. Perhaps, my friends, we now find ourselves in that moment where Jesus is ascending where all that we have relied upon has gone virtual and where he answers our deepest question. Absolutely. Now is the time for you to be great. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be going through the book of Acts using the stories about the first iteration of the church as our guide for what it might look like for us to respond to Jesus' calling and to be the church today, for us to be declaring Jesus' message of good news out to the ends of the earth, relying upon the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a group side to this, and there's an individual side to this. And so I encourage you to consider, where are you? Are you staring up at the sky, waiting for someone to tell you what to do? Or are you longing to be great? After you do that, after you consider where you are, then I'd really like to know. So I want you to email me. My email is up on the screen, jvl at smccpby.com. You can now rewind it and get it. See, there's no excuse for missing that one. I want you to email me or I want you to call me. I want you to text me. I want you to let me know. Where are you at? Do you long to be great? Are you content to stare at the sky? There's no wrong answer, but we're in this together. And there is a calling set out in front of us, friends that now is our time.